Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined as always by my good, good friend, Mr. JW Crewall. JW, how's it hanging? Oh, it's going great, man. Thanks for asking. How are you, Riley? I'm doing pretty good. Guess what time I was not in bed, but fully asleep yesterday? Um, oh, man. Well, that prompt makes me think right, that it was a little earlier than a, normal. So the I'll, say, I'll say 9 o'clock. Earlier. I'll say 8, 15. <laughs> 8 o'clock. I was fully asleep yesterday. Oh, my god! I was so pooped. And, you know, I got home and I'm like, you know. I'm just going to go to sleep. <laughs> and you're an adult and you can do that. Yeah. So I ate dinner and I went to sleep. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, it's really funny because I went to bed pretty early yesterday too. My wife and I, we finished uh, Avatar. Oh, great. Last series. night. But then, yeah, right. No, uh, the, the way of water. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't, it was kind of good. It was a little more. It's the same movie. I thought. <laughs> yeah. It's the same movie. Yeah. No, except like the bad guys are blue now. Yeah. Well, I guess they were blue. No, they oh, they were blue last time, really. Yeah, so now they're blue. So yeah, it, no, I thought it was fun. It was it was not as good as what I remember the first one. Okay, wait. I want to talk about Avatar: Way Water for a second. So, the craziest part of of Avatar: Way of Water for me was it felt like that movie was trying to make a statement about like how industrialized the world is and like the impact it has on environment are you following me so far i mean that's that's been a common theme but yes yeah it's the theme of the movies so my question is why do the space whales give you immortality juice (laughs) like they couldn't hunt the whales for something i don't know like more uh what am i what's the word i'm looking for like immaterial or like useless or vain or whatever you know Uh it's immortality juice like yeah people are gonna hunt the whales for the immortality juice you know what i'm saying yeah like obviously that's gonna happen (laughs) like it couldn't just be like oh the meat is really expensive and like oh oh, you know what i'm saying like wouldn't that have been a better like a more powerful message it's like oh yeah we don't even the whale yeah we throw away all the parts we don't care about the whales it's just the this one specific part of the meat is really it's a delicacy it's really expensive like to me that's more compelling than just like oh yeah they have immortality juice so we're hunting <laughs> and they don't really explain that at all <laughs> like what do you mean they have immortality juice get me some yeah. of that yeah seriously yeah that's certainly like there's a for the humans there's a compelling reason to do the hunting right so i that to me was silly and it's it's also, it's extra funny to me because they had unobtainium in the first movie. Mm, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what they mm-hmm. literally called the thing, was yep. unobtainium. Yep. And now they have the immortality juice. Like, So you wonder chill. what's going to be in the third one. Yeah, they got to up the ante somehow. <laughs> Dude, I was, I was shook. This isn't a spoiler, but I was shook when the dude's arm got ripped off. I don't even remember that. You don't remember that? Okay, well, I can't say who it was, but I was like, oh my gosh. That was like... I don't remember the first one being as gory, but maybe it was. Yeah, I don't... It's been a while since I've seen the first... I'm not a huge Avatar fan. I think they're kind of stupid, but, but... Like, I can respect the beauty of the films or whatever, but... My wife cried. Really? I think it's just the emotions of being 
apparent. I will say uh, the family element was cool in this movie. Yeah. I did like yeah. that. Um, though I don't think Mr. Sully was that great of a father. Yeah, I don't know. He was like a little rough and like kind of. And also sending his children to, his to like war. <laughs> yeah. Well, but maybe I don't know. That's their culture, man. Maybe, maybe. Oh, yeah. Avatar. Not not my favorite movie, but it is a anyway. visually impressive movie. There's just so many movies I need to catch up on because I really would like to see the new Spider-Man movie. I saw obviously. that last weekend. It was so good. Yeah, the first one. I I think the first one is like the movie that I've watched the most in my yeah. adult life. Like I've seen it three times, and I just never read books or watch movies twice. Yeah. And so for me to watch a movie like to want to watch it multiple times. And I'm not even like a huge like Spider-Man or comic book fan. I mean, you know, whatever. It's kind of the the times these days, right? Yeah, but yeah. I'm not I'm not the biggest. But anyway, I watched that movie three times, and then and then I'm I'm about to say like, oh, I'm not really a big comic book fan, but I also want to see Guardians of the Galaxy three. That movie's also really good. Yeah, and I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna just then I'm gonna lay off the the superhero movies. For well, a while. I I was thinking that Guardians might actually just be like the last Marvel movie that I see. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at, too. You know, and the Guardians 3 is, like, a really good bookend to that storyline. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't feel, like, wholly compelled. And almost the movie felt like it was, like, giving you permission to let go, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, But I do love the Spider-Verse movies. And I'm a huge fan of, like, animation as a medium. And I really appreciate, like, what Into the Spider-Verse did for the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, Across the Spider-Verse just takes that to the next level. It's so good. Um, I'll also say Across the Spider-Verse benefits from, like, a relatively fresh-in-your-mind viewing of Into the Spider-Verse. Like, the experience isn't harmed without it, but there's, like, more things that you'll pick up on with it. Okay, that's that's good. Or maybe I'll just read something about it. Yeah. I don't have time anymore, man. I got, like, I want to finish a few video games. I got books to read i got side projects to work on like yeah i've also got poke to play i'm i feel the same way man like i have a book club now and i'm i'm on pace for my book last last month i had to read all in like three days (laughs) so i was fine (laughs) but i did read it there you go so attaboy (laughs) well speaking of poke you know first off let's give a huge congratulations to reagan retzloff for finally getting the dove in mm-hmm. Fresno, California, the last regional of the season, with his critically acclaimed <laughs> Lugia deck. You know, I've been kind of singing Lugia's praises in this format for a while, largely off the back of, of the framework that Reagan laid down, and I was excited to see him finally pick up that first win in Masters, and it's kind of poetic that he got it in the last regional of this format, in the last regional uh of the season you know it was a it was cool to watch yeah for sure yeah huge congratulations certainly setting the standard for what lugia looks like like modern i don't know modern lugia or, or at least that formats lugia so uh huge congratulations reagan for that uh for that first place finish it's a big deal i agree but you know, we don't want to linger on the Scarlet and Violet base set format because Paldea Evolved is here. It is whole ass here. You know, it's on TCG Live right now. I haven't played it on TCG Live because I haven't opened TCG Live in a while. Uh, but it's out there. And that means the NIC is just around the corner with Paldea Evolved as a legal 
set to play. So we want to dive deep into what Paldea Evolve's got going on, talk about some of the cards and whether they're hot or not. Uh, and then we'll kind of round out the episode with some of the top deck choices on our minds as we look to start testing. Uh, Andrew's actually coming over to my apartment in Madison this weekend, so we're looking to grind out some games and and enjoy each other's company uh, outside of the TCG Live space. For yeah, give me uh, give me the best list, please. We'll we'll do our best. You know, when we get cooking, we get serious. So yeah, that's uh, for sure. Cool. So, JW, I got a segment prep for you. I call it Real or No Deal. I've listed out one, two, three, seven cards in the Paldea Evolve format, and they're in no particular order or anything, but I thought it would be fun if, before we talk about any particular decks, we just talk about like particular cards that have been getting attention mm. and give some thoughts about whether this card's for real, like, you, you know, it's going to make a, a showing and is is good stuff or no deal like maybe it was a little overhyped or or you just don't see it mm-hmm. so i think it's only fair that we start from the top with a card that i think we've has been pretty polarizing and that's chien pao ex mm-hmm. so chien pao ex 220 hp got the uh, capacious bucket as an ability got the hail blade attack you know, obvious synergy with Excalibur. GW, what are your thoughts on Chien Pao as we kick off Paldea Evolved? No deal. No deal. Now, I said Chien Pao is controversial. What brings you to no deal? Well, I don't mean to say that Chien Pao is, like, unplayable because it's it's clearly not. I mean, throughout the history of the game, we've seen these, what I'll term the rain dance style decks of just loading energy onto a main attacker and swinging for a bunch of damage. Like, that's always been historically relevant, um, if not among some of the better decks in the game. And, and I don't mean to say that uh, this deck is unplayable. That is not what I'm trying to say. But I don't think that it will win a major tournament in this format. Like, I, I just do not see it making waves, no pun intended, at NAIC, uh, nor do I see it doing particularly well at Worlds. Is it a deck that could top eight? Is it a deck that could top 16? Sure. Is it a deck that can win? In my eyes, no. Just because you're attacking with the two-prizer that's pretty frail to be honest and you also need a stage two in the back for support and you need to have a big hand so it feels like the kind of deck that you know maybe in a different format like for instance if we didn't have iono um in this format but uh, if it was in a different format if the context was like a little bit different then it might be a much stronger deck and it would be something that i would say yeah absolutely gravitate towards but the fact that the chin pao is relatively weak compared to the other kind of v and v star attackers uh, or v max attackers for that matter um yeah. and you need that stage two which is not in and of itself a huge deal because you have irida but you are trading off a lot of the draw power that other decks have in you know research iono when you have the Irida for Rare Candy Bex Caliber. And then if that gets knocked out after you've used up all your energy from a Chin Pao, sometimes it can be hard to recycle. So yeah. it just, it, it's a fine deck. I don't mean to say that it's like unplayable, but it's tier two at best in my eyes. No, I, I think those are all super valid points. I also think, you know, as a consequence of needing to build up these large hands, Chin Pao also struggles to use cards like Iono and Judge effectively, which we've seen be super relevant, not only in this format, but heading into Paldea Evolved. So it just feels like it's not quite the right cross-section for 
a deck like Qian Pao to, to really succeed. So I'm with you there. Let's go on to our second card then. And this is going to be a little less of a, a specific deck oriented of a card and, and more of a generalist slash specialist, I guess maybe you could argue, card. And that's going to be the new energy card, Reversal Energy. Mm. So Reversal Energy, for those of you who are unaware, you can attach it to one of your evolution Pokemon. And if you're behind on prizes, it provides three rainbow energy. So JW, Reversal Energy, real or no deal? I think it's real for sure. I think that card is extremely good. From the list that I've seen from Japan, you usually are seeing, like especially in Guardi, at least one, even if they aren't playing the Luxray, but obviously that's a huge combo um, right now for players. The Luxray, you can play it from your hand if you're behind in prizes. So that combo can go in just about any deck to get that really big attack kind of in that, that mid to late game. Um, but I think without a doubt, it's real. I think that there will be some unique combination that comes out that players will think of either for NAIC or, or worlds that really exploits the power of that card. And it might just end up being like a guardy deck that has multiple of this, you know, as that ends up being kind of, oh, okay, that's the accepted, um, you know, best way to play this card. But certainly I think this is one of the better cards in the set and should, you know, really change things up in terms of how players can play with uh, with certain decks heading into the Paldea Evolved format. So here's a, a follow-up question then, and, and I agree with your points. You know, we've seen sort of two Gardevoir variants, I, I would say, kind of crop up in the Paldea Evolved world. One that's a little more reversal energy focused, comeback focused specifically, mm -hmm. you know, you use reversal energies, you maybe use Mewtwo V Union to do some crazy plays as the game rounds out. And then we have more traditional Gardevoir variants that you also referenced that, you know, play a little more straightforward, but have access to that reversal energy if they, you know, happen to hit the right turn. Do you think one of those decks is looking particularly interesting or appealing as we kick off this format? Yeah, that's a good question i mean in terms of yeah things i want to try absolutely the mewtwo with the you know more reversal energy again this kind of setup come from behind strategy is certainly something that i want to try uh, just because the standard gardevoir just feels like you know an enhanced version of the accepted 60 card lists that we currently <laughs> play um you know from the last format so I'm all about potentially getting, you know, Mewtwo V Union on board and, and certainly coming from behind is, um, you know, a, a style of play that is, you know, is, is a way that you can express your skill, right? Yeah. Is, a, is a way to skill express. It's fun so too. It is really fun. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm certainly keen to try it. Is that going to be kind of like where I would default to? Probably not, but it, it's certainly a deck that I'm looking to, you know, grind some like legitimate games uh, with heading into NEIC. That makes sense. So let's hit our next card then. Real or no deal on Luxray. Yeah, similarly, I mean, if the reversal energy is real, then I kind of have to say that the Luxray is real. Uh, now, certainly reversal is a little more... Uh, widely used and we don't have as like lugia doesn't f seem to be as big of a um paldea evolved archetype as it was in the last format but um it still has promise you know lugia as a deck so i 
do believe that Luxray is, you know, a great combo for just getting those big one shots on, on Lugia or trying to trade with, you know, Gardevoirs, right? Yeah. A one prizer that your opponent puts down. Um, I don't know. What are the, what are the best, like a Kyogre in a Bax Caliber, maybe a Meloetta in a Mew deck. Um, it, yeah, it's or certainly... opposing like baby Gardevoirs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. Baby. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of where I was thinking with the Gardevoir deck. Obviously they're going to bring up those yeah. shining arcana Gardevoirs. So yeah, it seems like a really good card for um, certainly for decks that don't otherwise have like great one prize options. Or if they're finding like in the case of Gardevoir that could play Luxray, like, wow, I can really just go in with maybe three, four, five one prizers and close out a game. That seems really good. That's true. I'm a little less sold on Luxray, to be honest. Like, I think it's fine, but I can see a lot of lists opting to omit it. Yeah. Feels like an easy cut to me from a, I, from a guard of our list with reversal energy. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, for a deck like, like um, I don't know, like Lugia, right, where you can search out the energy. Yeah. Or a deck like Gardevoir, where you're just drawing through the deck so fast. Like, I don't know. It seems like a much better card in that than really anything else i mean those are yeah i I, I think those are probably the most obvious lugia also plays the most like evolution search Mm -hmm. uh, which i think is another component of luxray like it's hard to splash luxray because it's hard for a lot of decks to find the combo yeah you know outside of really lugia and and gardevoir which are either drawing or or just have the search to do it okay well let's shift gears back to the ex world Still on the stage two world, though. And let's talk about NEX that's getting moderate hype. You know, it's not like crazy popular, but that's Meowscarada EX. You know, you got that damage counter spread with Bouquet Magic. Got okay damage output, 310 HP. No, no, this card is trash for sure. (laughs) Tier three deck, without a doubt. Tier three deck. Uh, Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, I do like that they finally increased the damage output on one of these spread abilities. It feels mm-hmm. like they've been hard capped at 20 for a while. Yeah. Um, so that's nice. You know, it feels it feels just like a little too little, I suppose, is how I would describe Meowscarada. Like, it, it wants to be doing like a little more damage or have a little bit more spread power to, to really find a home. You know, you, you look at inteleon vmax for example and it's got an arguably better spread ability and a pretty decent attack you know that lets it abuse like healing cards like cheryl and it it doesn't really see play so i don't see a reason why masquerade is a stage two that doesn't have as good of an ability would really succeed sure sure yeah that's fair it doesn't seem particularly good i i, I don't think that this card will see really any play yeah fair enough so let's pivot back to the world of special energy then and talk about another interesting special energy card from this format there's actually quite a few interesting special energy cards in this set (laughs) (laughs) uh but the one i specifically wanted to focus on was luminous energy so rainbow energy but only one at a time yeah i I don't think this is... I I just, like, can't think of a use case for this deck. 
right? Because you can't have any other special energy attached to it, right? So you're immediately thinking, oh, this could go in Lugia, but presumably you would have <laughs> multiple, you know, energy attachments, so it would nullify the luminous energy. And you could play it in, like, a lost box, maybe? But that doesn't really make sense either, because you just want to mirage gate your basics onto your I mean, Pokemon. I think we're so. looking at Reggie, right? could be reggie okay it's the only deck that can really use it right yeah it could be reggie i can't see it but <laughs> it certainly so. is there maybe yeah. so yeah he, reggie wants man reggie wants i miss it to be honest reggie was really fun yeah but i i think this format as a whole if we could just take an aside i think the next format is really going to be like just as wide open as this last format was um and you're adding iono like i i from my initial testing of this format like it is really good it is really good like this is what i i've been personally wanting for the last you know three or four years is this format and i think we're finally getting to a space where you have basics you have you know stage twos you have stage ones, you know, kind of, right, with your V-Stars and V-Maxes. <laughs> so it, it feels like a really strong format right now, just as an aside. Yeah, I, I'll personally say, like, I, I've i been a fan of the direction the game has been going post-Scarlet and Violet coming out. I think it just seems like a lot more thoughtful card design post-Scarlet mm -hmm. and Violet than what mm -hmm. we saw in the, the Sword and Shield era in particular. So I'm, I'm enjoying... Like every time something's revealed, it, it it's promising and it's fun. So I'm liking that direction. So we've referenced this card a few times. I think it's only fair that we talk about it now. And I don't know. You know, I think this is obviously a real card. What kind of impact do we think I don't know will have on the game? I mean, the same, like a similar impact that N had on the game when it was released. Like it just completely changes how you play the game. It's a format defining card. It shifts the way decks are built. You know, you're, you're already kind of seeing it in the online tournaments where, you know, and, and this was happening, I guess, in the Scarlet and Violet base format. But um, you're already seeing it moving into the next format where a lot of the Lost Box lists are dropping the Kyogre because they just know that there's not going to be it's an like end game. viable combo to hit. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, it you can hit it, certainly, but... It's just much, much harder now when you're getting Iono to, you know, even three, two, whatever it is. And you're having all those resources that you've curated over the course of the game just put right to the bottom of the deck. So there's no real hope in drawing into them again. So I think that this card is going to shape the way that players play the game, the way they build their decks. It's just such a strong card. It's like unbelievably strong. I mean, the people at home know if you played any of the you know games online like you know how strong iona can be but just to reiterate that this card is um you know better in in many ways than n as well yeah i mean iona is a really impressive card and it, it's interesting as well because you know it's very similar to n but it does have that key difference in that it it forces you to draw sort of new cards puts your old hand at the bottom as opposed to n reshuffling your hand and that has benefits as a player like if you're playing a card as your supporter you usually want to dig and like find new things so i know it's really good for that and it also has an interesting d disruptive element on the opponent where they 
at least are unlikely until the very end of the game to draw back into the cards that they had in their hand before. Mm. I think it, one thing I really like about Iono is it is a little more interesting of a debate for like how you interact with your deck versus N. And what I mean by that is, let's say you're looking for a particular card off in Iono. Well, you might not want to Ultra Ball a Pokemon into your hand then if that's a Pokemon that you want to see after the Iono, whereas with N, you know, you might do that still. Like things like that, where the way you thin your deck you have to be a little bit more thoughtful about it with Iona, I think is really cool and interesting. Um, you know, we'll see how much that actually manifests in gameplay, I suppose. But, uh, you know, I think it's a cool card. I'm excited that it exists. Uh, I think it's a fun twist on what N was before. You know, it, it keeps the spirit of that kind of card without just reprinting the same one over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, look for, you know, I, I think, again, it's like there's a lot of decks that just become much more unviable uh, now that we have Iono. I mean, I, I reference like Chin Pao and it's uh, difficulty with Iono, but you think about it, like Chin Pao just doesn't have a draw engine to it. So it's going to be more adversely affected by Iono than a deck like Mew VMAX, for instance, or a deck like Gardevoir that can really abuse that card. I'm with you there. So next card on my list, I was originally going to hit Fortress, but I realized I didn't have a, a card that I'd rather talk about instead in the seven, and that's going to be Ting Lu. Now, Ting Lu has got the interesting ability where it prevents abilities for Pokemon that aren't Pokemon EX if they have damage counters on them. It is a pretty mid attack. What do we think of Ting Lu and as a sort of disruption, lockdown sort of deck? Yeah, it's funny that you bring that up. I played against Ting Lu a couple of times over the last few days um with Gardevoir and you would think just on paper that Tinglu has a very severe advantage because all of the evolutions in Gardevoir I mean even all the like basics really like you think about the uh Greninja you think about the Mew you think about the Zacian um all of these Pokemon have these abilities that you want to be using continually throughout the game Gardevoir, of course, uh, both Gardevoirs even, um, the the Curlias, you know, to draw. So I, you know, the first time I played, I was like, oh, shoot, this is going to be really bad. They just shut down all the abilities, and I have no way to get around it. But problem there is that there's a card called Boss's Orders, and <laughs> you can get out from underneath of the Tinglu relatively easily. Now, they are going to be throwing up a... 100 and or two, excuse me 290 hp pokemon of course they'll have that uh, tool to increase their health by 50 but um it's you know you just need a couple of turns like with a gardevoir deck for instance to get around the tinglu set up your board have enough energy attached like three different pokemon to be able to two shot their pokemon yeah. maybe they have to drop a squawk ability maybe they have to drop a um, Coridon or something like this um, and it's just hard for them to continue to control their energy flow like if they don't get a Coridon and they don't hit their gutsy pickaxes and they're just manually attaching for turn then you can usually just knock out their first Tinglu and it's a relatively easy path to victory there if you can get that first hit in so I didn't have much trouble with the deck um, again because you can just boss like a Halucha or an Alakazam 
or Squawkabilly, they have a lot of these supporting Pokemon that are not Ting Lu <laughs> that, <laughs> uh, that you can really take advantage of to get out from under it. So I, I just referenced the Gardevoir matchup as being an example, but, um, you know, sure, like maybe Lost Box is a little harder because you play less boss, but if you're if you have a bad matchup into Gardevoir, like which is shaping up to be one of, if not the best deck of the next format, then again, seems pretty unplayable. Yeah, my thoughts on Tinglu are are somewhat similar. Actually, I actually kind of thought Tinglu would have a bad Gardevoir matchup just because it's not like a majorly threatening deck and it doesn't shut down the EX, so the EX can still like attack. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I think. I think Tinglu's problem ultimately is going to come down to it isn't threatening enough for how hard it is to power up, right? Like, you're doing 150 damage for three specific colored fighting energy. Like, you know, let's look at your matchup spread there, right? Like, you're two-shotting Gardevoir EXs that are two-shotting you back but are going to do it easier, you know? Mm -hmm. They're going to have less maintenance to do that. You're two-shotting, like, a Lugia, and yeah, you'll shut down their Archeops, but the Lugia will two-shot you, and then and then what? Like, you send up another Tinglu and Karidon for turn and pass, like, and then they one-shot you? Like, what's going on there? Uh, maybe not one-shot you, but they'll hit into you at least and set up another knockout. So, like, what are you, like, really trying to do there, you know? And it feels, it just feels like it doesn't have enough oomph to back up its disruptive capabilities. Yeah, well, right, because you're only doing 150 a turn. Like, yeah. you're not even knocking out basic Vs. I just don't right. see Like, when you think of, like, Garbodor deck, the best Garbodor decks ever, mm-hmm. right? Garbodor, the best Garbodor decks were paired with really threatening attackers that, like, put pressure on the opponent. In addition to, like, locking down, you know, you have Buzzwool, you have Zorark, you have Big Basics, you have Darkrai, you have... Like those are all po- yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These are Pokemon that like put a lot of pressure on the opponent in addition to locking down the abilities. Usually that ability lock, historically with Garbodor, is paired with like the best, most efficient attacker in the format. And that's like the complete opposite of Tinglu. <laughs> mm, yep, true. And also very Iono prone. <laughs> yeah. All these like rogue strategies, I guess, fit into that. So alright. Not on the Tinglu. And let's round out with one final friend in the format and that is going to be Squawkabilly EX with the Squawk and Seize ability kind of a rebalance of the Crobat and Dedenne of formats past what do we think? Squawkabilly is great yeah it's a really solid card I'm so happy that this is in the format in the way that it is because it you know it's not as overpowered as Dedenne but it still gives those decks so setup decks that option in the early game. So I think it's a really well-designed card. I think it's a really strong card. Um, And I think it should be considered in a lot of decks. Like I could see that card, of course, being in like a Gardevoir deck. I could see that card being in, you know, your your quote unquote slower decks, things like Bax Calibur, uh, Chin Pao, things like, you know, Ting Lu. Um, But it could also go in just as easily things like Lugia, things like Mew. Honestly, it could probably go in Lost Box, if, yeah. you know, I mean, it's something that you could at least try, right? It's like on the table for initial testing. So um, really good card. I, I think it's great design and good for the game and just overall like a solid option for a lot of these decks. 
yeah, this feels like a, a really solid take on the, the the Dene and Crobat and Shaman of, of formats past. You know, it, it feels like Pokemon has, has iterated on this time and time again, right? We had Shaman and Slash Uxie even, which were pretty imbalanced, right? Like, you can just mm. spam those, draw your whole deck. The next iteration was to Dene, which was once per turn. <laughs> But the dig was just still too powerful. So then they rebalanced that with Crobat, which had a little bit less raw dig than Dedenne, still once per turn. Uh, and it was like fine. Um, and then we finally like land on Squawkabilly, which is cool. You know, it, it specifically helps you in setting up. It has like an okay attack if you happen to need it. And that's it. Right? right, and that feels like right. what these cards were intended to do all along. Right, Shaman's ability is literally called setup. <laughs> right. So I'm a huge fan, and I like that he has a pompadour. That's fun. So, dude, the altar is so good too. <laughs> yeah, gotta play that. I will say, this like writing the word squawkability out in my notes kind of bothered me. Like I don't like the way it's written, <laughs> but. <laughs> But it's a cool, it's a cool card. Squawk and seize, it's it's a fun ability to use. Anybody up squawking and season right now? <laughs> Any squawk and seizers? So, huge fan. I like where that's going. And and that rounds out the the real or no deal. JW, are there any other cards that jump out to you that we should give a quick review? There is one, that is Spiritomb. Spiritomb, mm, good choice. I'm kind of on the fence, to be honest. I think if you if you get it out early and like pair it with like an Iona or a Judge, you'll probably body your opponent. And if you don't, then you will probably just snipe it with like Ice Q or get far enough set up that it doesn't matter. I mean, is there a deck that you could play reasonably both Manaphy and Spear Tomb? I mean, I I think okay, you have Gardevoir, right? But um, if you were to play Spirit Tomb, is there any other deck that you could see like playing a Manaphy alongside it? Like, I don't think that that would work in like a Lugia list, for instance, right? Um, yeah, probably like some Arceus thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the most likely candidate probably to play both. Yeah, and if you're confused at Ice Q in Mew V Max, we'll talk a little bit more about that in the second half of the cast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it's a decent card, though. Like, I think people who say it's fake, it's not a it's not just pure fake, right? It's a good card. Yeah. It's powerful. Like, that's pretty insane text, <laughs> to be honest. To have... Yes. <laughs> so. It's quite good. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. Cool. Well, before we talk for the last little bit of the episode about some of the the top decks on our mind as we head into our testing sessions let's take a quick break and talk about a card of the day and so jw for this week's card of the day i want you to try and guess what my favorite of the art rare cards from paldea evolved is favorite of the art rare um okay pseudo widow no honestly i'm not that big of a fan of the pseudo widow it's like fine okay um let's see i'm trying to think of more um of the art rare cards let's see we have something like maybe one of the 
Maybe one of the legendaries? Not a legendary. Uh, um, let's see. Maybe like... Oh, man. Let's see. I'm trying to think of like the good ones that I really like. Ergo, the ones that you <laughs> that are correct. Really like potentially. Yeah. That are correct. <laughs> um it so it's not like because i kind of think like wo chien is like really insane how about um the wo chien is insane i will say but... how about like a like isn't uh the tauros doesn't that have an art rare it does and it's really cool but yeah it's not my favorite my favorite i would have accepted one of two but my actual favorite is <laughs> i didn't know i was graded <laughs> well there were two that i would have taken as a correct answer but there's one that's actually correct and that's the ice cube with his head in the fridge <laughs> i think it's so funny Dude. i like you don't like him i don't like ice cube at all just <laughs> oh yeah period. you hate ice cube but yes. he's so funny he's in the fridge ice cube is just like the worst pokemon i think ever <laughs> no he's funny that he's in the fridge nah, i like that his head is stuck the one that i would have accepted as an alternate would be fue coco oh in the in the grocery cart <laughs> yeah with the apple yeah yeah he's kind of cute for sure <laughs> he is really cute yeah it's a really like detailed that. like grocery aisle as well <laughs> yeah these art rares are getting so good i mean as if they weren't already but the art style again from pokemon like I think the Raichu looks really good. If you haven't seen it, it's like a yeah, it's kind it's of really lighter cute. tones. The Raichu's sleeping on a bed. The Mismagius is really good. Like these are just pieces of art, and um, and we haven't seen. I don't know. We I, I don't think we've seen art this good. Like I think this is like the best set for the art. In I my also opinion. I love all of the like alt trainers have like really cool perspective on them like. Giacomo mm -hmm. is like behind the lighting setup and Grusha has the, the like trees in the winter in front of his window. Like they're really having fun making these cards. You can tell there's a lot of passion being poured into them and I love it. It's so cool. Yeah, man. Are you going to get um, any special like Iono? <laughs> Probably not. Right. I don't know. I, that's why I'm asking. No, I mean, I don't really blink my decks or anything, so probably not. I kind of think I have to at least get the full art, because the full art looks really good, too. You, do you prefer the full art or the alt art? Um, I think I prefer the alt art, but the full art is, like, equally as good, in my opinion. Like, or it's not maybe not equally if I prefer one over the other, but <laughs> it is uh, it is quite good. It is acceptably good. It is cool. I will say it's cool. So, And I did just pull one from uh a league challenge that i went to the other day really yeah that's fun. i decided to open my packs i never opened the packs but it was half a box i got second. if they're loose i'll open the packs yeah I, well i was also gonna be like well i'll save it for a few weeks to like so my brother and i can open them oh i see, I see. nah i just i just ripped them so it's pretty cool yeah it looks really good in person so i gotta complete the playset. <laughs> that's cool very nice well JW, why don't we go ahead and thank our sponsor before we round out by talking about our top decks on the testing table. Absolutely. So our sponsor for the cast today, our presenting sponsor, in fact, is Manscaped. Manscaped is the premier company for all your men's grooming needs. Riley uses them. I use them. They are part of my weekly routine 
We're getting fresh. It, sometimes some would even say my daily routine. Of course, I'm using the shampoo and body wash every single day, but they got boxers. They got the ear and nose hair trimmer. They got the uh, weed whacker 4.0. Like they have all of these products that you are going to love all over at manscaped.com. For real, Manscaped products are super good and super legit. I personally use the Beard Hedger every single week, and I wear the boxers whenever I can, whenever they're clean. And they are noteworthy because, JW, were you not wearing your boxers at the Milwaukee Regional Championship? I I was. I was. All right, we'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) So... Boxers guaranteed to get you a world's invite, or at least uh, you can believe that if you choose to. That's right. Um, so, JW and I both having world's invites and both big advocates of the boxers. I mean, I think it speaks for itself. So, if you're interested in any things that we've said so far, the great news is that as our presenting sponsor, Manscaped has a discount code that you can use if you head over to manscaped.com. Use code TAG TEAM at checkout, T A G T E A M. You'll get not only 20% off, but free shipping. It's a great deal. So head on over to manscaped.com. Use that code at checkout and take advantage of that offer. Yeah, thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring the cast. So, Riley, you brought up something really good um, that I don't know that I was able to bring up last week because I had regional champ, world champ, Henry Brand on the cast, uh, if you didn't know. But I I got my world's (laughs) invite at Milwaukee. So... Yeah, that was really cool. I needed, I did the exact bare minimum. And that's all it takes. You know, I mean, honestly, it was a rough season. I mean, it was a good season. <laughs> I, I don't want to say that. Like, overall, it was good. Um, <laughs> I don't think it was rough. <laughs> for I mean, for me, right? Like, I felt like I was lagging behind you and Andrew, despite, like, performing relatively similarly. Like, we all were playing the same decks for the majority of the season. I just felt like I got really bad luck, you know, and you guys yeah, got all the good luck. Yeah, you got bad luck. I agree. So, anyway, <laughs> the, the premonition tournament in Arlington, I'll, I'll never forget <laughs> I think, I think it, that's man. mostly what you're thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget the the time I dreamed that I would play Weezing decks when I was playing Lugia. and uh, it's You manifested happened. it. I really did. I really did. Okay, so I'm manifesting that all my opponents will misplay against me at Worlds boom all right let's make that happen but uh yeah so i did lock up the invite after milwaukee i got the 30 points necessary to put me at exactly 350 so i'm excited because it means that there is absolutely zero pressure for naic which i personally like there's pressure personally because i just would like to perform well like at every tournament that i go to but there's no pressure in the sense that I'm looking to, you know, close out an invite. Like I need any points or something to to make it to Japan. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to NAIC. And I think there's a lot of interesting things to still discover about this format. No, I honestly, I, I love those kinds of tournaments because I feel like you can just get in the zone and and play your heart out without having like that looming pressure of the world's invite hanging over you, especially when you're close to the invite. I feel like the pressure yeah. really starts to mount. Uh, especially if you're not one of those like tournament grinders who has constant tournaments on your radar. So I'm looking forward to NAIC quite a bit. I love that it's a new format. I, I love that there is kind of that pressure relieved, you know, last year that was, that was me in that situation where I had a lot of pressure at NAIC and squeaked in at (laughs) like 254th or something. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm ready. No holds barred. Let's make it happen. Right. 
So that all said, you know, it's been a, a decently sized episode already. So why don't we just rattle off some of the decks that we're looking to test in Paldea Evolved. So that way, over the next few weeks, our listeners can tune in and hear how that testing has gone. Yeah, well, this is certainly a format where I think you can pick a deck and just grind the heck out of it and expect to do well. I had kind of held that for last format as well, but um, I do really feel like there are a lot of decks with a very high skill ceiling. Um, I think most notably of Gardevoir, but also, uh, you know, Lost Box, Lugia can have some really deep plays. Um, You know, there's just a lot of these decks out there that I think you could stick to for the entirety of this next format and expect to do well. So that's currently what I'm in the process of doing is getting all my reps in with Gardevoir Mm. and just grinding that deck until I feel like I know it inside and out. Now, will I end up playing that for NAIC? I haven't made that decision yet, but I need to know how to play the deck because not only will that give me a better understanding of, you know, whether or not it's, you know, a, a deck that I feel comfortable with bringing to NAIC, but I also know how to play against it should I choose something else. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's super valid, right? It feels like there's a lot of viable decks. You know, if we if we look at the results over in Japan, we've been seeing some decent variants and what's showing up in top eights and winning these tournaments. Um, so I'm kind of with you, you know, who knows what what this format will bring and what that'll actually look like, right? So uh, for me personally, I also am really interested in getting some reps in with Gardevoir. You know, I played quite a bit of Gardevoir in this past format, especially like after EUIC, I grinded a lot of Gardevoir games, but I want to get a little more familiar with, uh, you know, I feel like the last format, you weren't really spamming sort of these disruption supporters. So your hand got pretty large and stable after a period of time. And I feel like that playstyle has shifted in the Iono heavy variants. So I'm interested to try that out a little bit more. Um, I also do want to experiment with one of those like reversal energy comeback sort of mm-hmm. guardy decks. I think those mm-hmm. are really cool. Um, honestly, a deck that I keep like coming back to in my mind is trying out like an Arceus deck that just like fully leans into being annoying and like playing a heavy Iono and Judge. Um, so I want to try something out like that, but I I think one thing that sticks out to me more than anything is I don't quite understand why Lugia isn't keeping pace in this metagame. Like, it feels like it's fine. It doesn't, you know, I don't think it loses Tayono or anything. You know, it already was getting judged path. Like, Iono is better than getting judged. <laughs> so, in the turns that are critical, so... Um, I kind of interested in in seeing how Lugia fares up, and if you're just like purely results oriented, it it doesn't seem like it's doing as well. But I'm like skeptical if that's actually the case. Mm. Yeah, I I think there are some tools that Lugia gets. I mean, the squawkability we talked about earlier in the cast uh, should be a really huge help to yeah. Lugia just as another you know thing that they can use to get their setup on turn one going first. Um, so I think that that should mitigate a lot of, uh, well, at least some of Lugia's, you know, perceived inconsistencies, but, um, you're right. Like in the sense that has Lugia been as dominant? Um, I mean, I, it's hard to say exactly, you know, from, from these results, but it certainly looks like, 
Um, you know, just from the couple of tournaments, major tournaments that have happened in Japan, either not a lot of people are playing it, um, or it's just not done that well on that day, or, um, you know, it's, it truly isn't as good as some of the other decks in the format. One thing I think is interesting is Lost Zone Box really dominated the most recent late at night. And it feels mm-hmm. like, you know, the more traditional Lost Zone Box has not shown up as hard in Japan. So I guess, you know, maybe my general statement is I'm interested to see how the metagame over here compares to what we've seen in Japan. Yeah. You know, I feel like I feel like sometimes over, you know, in the West, we get a little tunnel visioned on what things looked like in Japan and miss out on just like some obvious strong contenders that weren't getting the same attention that they were over there. Yeah. What for you? What's an example right now? I mean, right now, I think Lost Box is a good example of that. We see yeah. a, we continue to see Giratina be the most dominant variant in Japan. And I don't necessarily... Like, Kyogre maybe isn't as easy to pull off, but I think Lost Box on the whole is fine. Um, but I think that's more of, like, a g- generic statement, right? Like, I've, yeah. I've seen that happen before, and I, I just wonder, like, if there's something that is being missed in that, like, evaluation of the metagame. Sure, sure. Speaking of Lost Box, do you think that it still um, is as strong as it was in this format? We've seen kind of a number of different variants of Lost Box throughout its history. You mentioned Giratina, of course, Kyogre. There's also a Turbo version. There's also Charizard. It seems like Charizard's kind of fallen off. Giratina in our in our you know U.S. and European metagame has has largely fallen off. But um, that leaves us with the Kyogre and kind of a more Turbo speedy version of lost box do you think that those still stay good in the next format and if not why i kind of think they stay fine you know i you know i i think of the decks that are really going to be playing iono and i think the one that's going to be the least palatable for lost box is going to probably be gardevoir you know but i think the gardevoir matchup is also fine enough that Mm -hmm you might be able to squeak with even that happening. Mm-hmm. And decks like Mew and Arceus were already judging you anyway. And, you know, Lost Box was still, you know, I would consider the best deck this past format. So to me, I don't think the introduction of Iono necessarily disrupts Lost Box's place as one of the dominant decks in this metagame. It also gains, let's not forget, it gains Super Rod as a tool, which is super good like being able to get those pokemon back without having to rely on clara is huge uh it allows you to play a little more aggressively it allows you to pokey stop much more aggressively for example you don't have to worry about discarding your pokemon or your clara you just get the super rod <laughs> um so i think lost box actually is fine you know and i i wouldn't be surprised to see it continue to do well in this format Uh, It's not a deck that I think I'll put immediate time into because I do feel relatively comfortable playing Lost Box, so I want to try out some other things first. But, yeah, I think it's actually totally fine heading into next format. Another deck we have to talk about, Mew VMAX. Still not dead, despite everything (laughs) that these formats have thrown at it. We've seen Path. We've seen Drapion. Now we have Spiritomb. What do you think about Mew in the next format? I think a lot of lists are moving more toward 
a fusion based build yeah. uh, of the deck and you know can you explain why that is and maybe your thoughts on Mew in general I think it's twofold I think I think fusion kind of emerged as the better Mew variant into this past format or at least the more reliable one because it was taking those early knockouts that other decks couldn't and sort of taking advantage of that hole in the metagame and you know we tested Mew right in in Milwaukee and it felt like the double turbo matchup in a lost box like wasn't good enough to justify playing it over mm -hmm. fusion in my opinion at least mm -hmm. so like i think fusion kind of already sorted itself out as at least starting to be on the rise of a preferable variant and then the main reason though that we're looking at fusion heading into this next format is it can take advantage of ice q and Ice Q has a snipe attack. So if you're unfamiliar, Ice Q does 40 damage to one of your opponent's Pokemon for all Fusion Strike energy attached. So with an Elisa Sparkle and either a Fusion Energy or a Double Turbo, you can do 60 or 80 to the bench and remove a Spiritomb from play if your opponent's playing it. So it's kind of like an extra, you know, helper card, if you will, to deal with Spiritomb. Ice Q, you know also can help against things like Gardevoir, right? Like Sniper Ralts or something. Like, it's not mm -hmm. bad. Um, but really, it's there for the for the Spiritomb play. Um, you know, I, I'm curious, like, how much Spiritomb will actually be played. Spiritomb kind of reminds me of, of Giratina a little bit. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. Giratina that stopped Pokemon Break. And that card was, like, super sporadically played. And I feel like Spiritomb will see a similar situation. Yeah, it's interesting, though, right? Because you have... I mean, I'm just going to keep referencing Gardevoir, but Gardevoir is, like, kind of the gold standard right now for decks that can play a bunch of weird techs just because you can trade it away, right? You just refine yeah. it away, and it doesn't really affect your board state at all. I mean, it. you know, I don't know that it really would be a good starter like so that might be a reason not to play it in Gardevoir but um you have that room to play these kind of weird one-ofs if you're really trying to you know alter a matchup in particular and the thing is though like that's still lost in Japan I, granted I didn't see watch those games but like Gardevoir still lost to Mew with that Spirit Team and Manaphy in their decks so you know, I, I don't I just don't think that Spiritomb will be played in like massive quantities. So I just don't think it'll radically affect Mew's position in the metagame. Mm. Yeah. It's it'll be something to watch. I, I do wanna keep the Spiritomb on the table, you know, For sure. as an option, right? But it definitely feels like something that you want to add after you've done a lot of testing, not while you're doing the testing, because right. You just don't want to have, yeah, you, you want to see if, okay, how does my deck actually fare up against Mew? And then further, how much Mew would I expect to see at a tournament like mm -hmm. NAIC, like Worlds? And then also uh, on top of that, like how much of a difference is it making when I play Mew? Right. To have that spirit team in play. Right. And like yeah. when you combine all of those things, like that's when you actually get to the meat and potatoes that like whether spirit team is worth it. And I think a lot of people are going to say, no, it's not, honestly. But they might be wrong. I mean, yeah. Mew has been, like, just consistently good, you know? It's like it always oh, feels for sure. strong to have I mean, some Andrew kind Hedrick of counter Oh, for sure. Andrew Hedrick just went, like, 
I, I forget his record, but he had a really insane match record heading into top eight at Fresno, right? So yeah, Mew has the staying power, and that was with double turbo as well. So Mew has the staying power. It's just, you know, do people respect that? Slash, are people playing it as well? Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I think it's going to be interesting. You know, all said and done, I think, I don't think Paldea Evolved will be like a radical departure from Scarlet and Violet Base, but I do think it'll be an interesting format. I think it'll be a lot of fun. And like you said, it'll it'll be, have some of that openness to it that we've had since Scarlet and Violet, which I think many players, myself included, appreciate. Yes, definitely. Definitely. It is a wonderful format. I've had a lot of fun playing it so far. Um, I need to get a lot of reps in this weekend in particular to just really narrow down um, some of the builds, right? Because I yeah. have these concepts like, okay, I, you know, I, I would really like to get some, uh, you know, more testing in with Gardevoir. I'd really like to get some more testing in with Lost Box. But I really need to figure out kind of what, in my mind, are those optimal builds for those lists yeah. and start to narrow that down as we head into NAIC. I'm with you. Well, lots of fun stuff ahead. And if you're interested to hear about JW and I's journey through testing as we prepare for NAIC over the next two weeks, be sure to follow us. You can do that on social media. You can find myself at Smiles with Riles and JW at Real John Walter. We also record the podcast every single week here at twitch.tv slash Munner. You can also find JW streaming on twitch.tv slash Flex Daddy Righteous. You know, JW, this has been a great episode. Do you have any final closing words of wisdom as it comes to Palde Evolved? Well, just have some fun. I do think, like, we haven't really talked about exploring any of the decks. Like, oh, yeah, Meow Scarada sucks. Uh, Tinglu sucks. You know, uh, we haven't really left the door open. We're for certifiable haters. Yeah, well, that's that's fair. That's fair. It's good to have hot takes every once in a while. But, um, you know, as with every new format, uh, just enjoy the, uh, you know, kind of discoverability of some of these cards. And, you know, who knows? You might stumble upon something that's, actually incredibly strong you know and uh that nobody has ever thought of before but um you know hate to don't mean to rain on anyone's parade out here but uh you know enjoy the format for sure enjoy the newness of new cards that are like you were saying earlier on the cast like fairly well designed like i think there was a lot of love and care and thought put into a lot of these cards that you know hopefully your testing is not wasted if you don't end up playing a tinglu deck now you'll know what it can do for future formats when it might become more of a threat. Maybe it gets a new tool. Maybe it gets a new, you know, support Pokemon. Um, you know, hopefully that, that that testing of kind of these off-the-wall ideas or less standardized lists pays off for you down the road. I know my Fortress Wochien testing is going to pay off big time. I know it too, bro. It's I know you guys are just going to be grinding. Time. You're going to be grinding that uh, the Wo Chien against Quaquavel <laughs> matchup you know this it. weekend with Andrew. You know it. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for listening, and we can't wait to share more with you next time. Peace. See ya.